Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers right here on the old podcast. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We are Super Metal Brothers and we're here to talk to you about this week's news. We're reviewing the latest album from Shevin Shall Burn and we've polled another question to the listeners day and again a massive response. Yeah, great response. Uh, controversial question. I guess a lot of people have had bands which have done this to themselves. So I guess a lot of people feel like they have a bit of real life experience and they feel like they can contribute to the uh, discussion. So that should be a bit of uh, exciting, a bit of controversial news for today yeah we'll head off to that question in a sec but first we're going to talk about the news speaking of news danny straight off the mark we're going to talk about while she sleeps a band we don't normally cover here but what we did want to talk about is how they took the brave uh, approach and got off the sony music label that's a bit of a shock i mean to be on a label these days is uh not people aren't too sure where they sit on that obviously labels take quite a lot of money and they take a lot of time and resources away from you to make it but they also give you so much exposure do you reckon that was a smart move the way they broke off was smart they were, they were very political about it saying nah nah we broke up so you know we're just different differences you know they're great they did this great we're just it's, not, it's just not for us you just so they, they broke out relationship and they try to be the good guys still so that was smart. Look, for them, maybe that works. For other bands, maybe not so much. They, they, The label does a lot of really, really good work for them. So, I, yeah, maybe it's a horse for course. Yeah, they said that the label was like a little bit like a parent. They were disappointed, but they understand. The reason why they, they, they even acknowledge themselves, they're no Justin Bieber. Mm. They're no money card that's just pointed out. But again, you know, they would be like, well, we, we could have made a little small living off of them. Yeah, maybe they're like anti-Sony. They're trying to hope that Xbox or Microsoft make a label. So like, no, no, we left the Sony behind. We're going to jump on the Microsoft bandwagon. Yeah, we like the PS4, but it kind of like sucks ass. So we'd rather yeah. just get the Xbox and like just play on that. So yeah, no big deal, I guess. Yeah, so maybe that's what they're trying to hope for. So hey, potentially. Well, let's move on to our next story with the Monomath. Now, this is going to be a quick story. We just want to acknowledge how incredibly brutal their stage was. We talked about last week about obviously with uh, Baby Metal and how they won the award for the best stage performance. But a special mention should have gone into a Monomath. Do you know what they did, Danny, for their latest show in nah, Las Vegas? Man. Whatever it is, sounds like they're a week too late, though, but go on. Yeah, literally, they decided for the front half of their stage was actually in construction of a longboat. Now, if you don't know what that is, just go to your favorite episode of Pirates of the Caribbean, take the front half of any of those ships, and they managed to make a stage out of it. Pretty much a Las Vegas style to make the most epic stage possible you can fit in a small room. Uh, unnecessary, impractical, awesome. You know, these three words come to mind, but the coup de grace, the piece à la resistance, was the stem posts you know them from the front of the ships actually had these glowing ruby demon eyes glowing from it just to top off how incredibly amazing it would have been so there you go Monomath fantastic yeah be careful they don't get too vague and they have like fires and chicks and like tigers jumping across the stage and stuff because they don't they don't see Vikings you know? Celine Dion it could just get completely bad yeah, for them yeah it could it could go down the track you know so uh, keep to their roots and the problem with having stages that big man you lose all those seats yeah I mean more ticket sales they could sell how can you afford these massive like sets if you can't uh, sell out the seats? Necessity or practicality, Danny, you can't have both. So I think <laughs> yeah. Monomath have chosen the right idea. Good luck trying to get home, guys, I guess. Yeah, I don't want my artistic vision to be uh, um, you know, <laughs> compromised. compromised by things like audience. That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to our next one with SLA Dying Front, man. Everyone knows this story straight away, but we're going to cover it anyway. Tim Lambesis, you might know him as the guy, the front man from the uh, SLA Dying Band, or you might know him as the guy who hired Agent 47 to make sure he get rid of that wife pesky problem he was having <laughs> yeah one of those like lifetime disease like problems you can have about he thought he could try removing it like a cancer group. yeah there's there's divorce and then there's like the last level of uh, your favorite video game being a yeah hitman series so i guess that's what he wanted to do he got caught out for it and he went to uh to prison for it what happened in prison though danny 
He became very popular. And there's a reason he became very popular. is because he wasn't given a certain medication he required. Apparently, the, um, this German here was a massive steroid user. And uh, one of the problems with being a big steroid user is that you actually can grow male breasts. And there is a drug out there which can suppress it. But they didn't uh, allow him to take it in the hospital, um, in, in the prison. And yeah, so therefore he grew breasts. Yeah, I'm sure very, very popular with the inmates. But he's not very happy with the nurses and the uh, medical team as the like. He's asked for $500,000 in general damages mm. and $35 million in punitive damages Uh for getting felt up in the shower every morning. <laughs> yeah. He's claiming like um yeah, like you know, stress and mental anguish and uh it's, it's hard for him to like write songs now because when his guitar's up against his breast it feels weird and sensitive and he can't they're literally his words and he says oh he's infecting his ability in songwriting. And I'm like man if you read read that whole like lyrics, like the whole his statement, there's like a couple of songs in there. So I think he just needs to change his um approach. Yeah, I think he's got all the motivation he needs. He just has a different avenue for it now. So yeah. enjoy those babies while you can man and uh We'll move on to uh, our next presentation, I guess. Uh, Lars Ulrich has confused as to why people seem to be buying the Black Album. Danahira claims that roughly 5,000 copies of this moves a week for an album at least more than 10 years old. Oh, yeah, been like mid-90s. And I Even guess yeah. segue of going from one boob to another boob. Uh, take that, Lars. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, 5,000 units a week. Anyone now will be loving to sell that many. So for them to continue... To sell that many of an okay album, yeah, good on them. Got nothing to say there. I mean, we we know the Metallica album's out. Or no, there's a new one coming out soon. We might cover it here. We probably won't because if they're selling that many copies, who cares what Super Metal Matt has to say? Or maybe they care about Super Metal about Dan though, I guess. Yeah, but I don't care about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> what about Matt, me, Matt? What about me? This show really is for us, as you can tell by our <laughs> subscriber fan base. <laughs> exactly right. We're going to take it off with the suicide pact now. We had to, uh, I guess that's a pretty way, dark way of looking at it. Yeah, Judas Priest almost broke up, Daniel, uh, 30 years ago over a, basically a claim was lodged against them from uh, families of the, their uh, kids who uh, committed suicide. What they were doing, they went on a big weed and alcoholic binge, but they were, they were found to listen to the Stained Glass album basically on repeat. Now, um, these charges were pressed, but later dismissed against Judas Priest, but that could have been a very shaky uh, point in, in our uh, way that uh, people will get access to mu music and uh, what we can sort of sing about, what we can't sing about. So I don't think it was just almost the end of Judas Priest, but that could have been a pivotal point in where music was going. Yeah, because they had that whole case that oh, if you when you listen to things, there's a subliminal message played backwards. There's that whole argument that what well, you hear or you don't hear is enough to somehow get into your mind, and oh, it's it's one of those arguments. And look, they went through the courts, and I think what made worse, Jewish priests, I guess, somewhat felt responsible because they were listening to the albums, even though it's all complete bull that subliminal message played backwards, etc. But they just, I guess, felt responsibility that their fans listened to their music, and for some reason, that music drove them to kill themselves. But I have a feeling the um, alcohol and marijuana concoction was probably the bigger issue here normally when i listen to that fergalicious chick and she's like my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard i just want to go ahead and choke a bitch but <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's probably the worst that happens to me when it comes to subliminal messages and music so i don't know what dark things are in pop music these days but i just get incredibly angry listening to it yeah that's true i know it's not, not subliminal message it's just like the messages and the, the song itself is enough to get you really angry i think i think the subliminal messages are trying to calm you down but you just can't you just can't get overpowered by that anger especially with the way like music's gone these days which we're going to cover next week in our question so get ready for next week's question it's going to be a very very uh, touchy topic but uh, we'll get to that later we're going to talk about Kerry King now 
with uh, the Big Four. Now, if you guys don't know who the Big Four are, it's basically the the top thrash bands that went through the 80s into the 90s. Anthrax, Metallica, Megadeth, and Slayer. Slayer. Now, uh, Kerry King's just an um, acknowledged that. Yeah, at the time, he uh, he felt like they were the, the top you know, queen bees of it all. And uh, he even acknowledged that uh, Anthrax might have felt the same way as well. But he reckons Dave Mustaine still thinks that way to this very day. It could be fair. Like, I don't know Dave personally, but I guess to be fair, those guys are kind of running at him slightly. But Megadeth lately has been kind of gaining momentum. So maybe like Dave Mustaine said, yeah, now's my time to shine. And maybe the other three guys are thinking that, oh, you know, if we've done our dash. We're starting to slow down. And now Dave Mustaine's like, here's my chance to like beat them. They're, they're, just, they're, just, they're just saying that because they're not as popular as they are now as they were in the 80s. But now I'm the popular guy. So yeah. They're just, they're, just, they're just being withdrawn. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, Dave Mustaine's actually acknowledged on Team Rock website that he actually has a crazy project in the mix. And um, that's saying that it must be like, well, when you do change your members every two to four years, it's almost giving you a complete different sound and a new energy for life because you're getting all these new ideas come in. So I guess you're right, Danny. He really has every reason to you know pat himself on the back if that is by pushing the old members out by boredom yeah. by, well, yeah, no, sorry. I think I've got some great ideas, you guys. Best musicians in the world, but uh, I don't know. As as Chris Broderick said, and in, in, in the latter thing we t- we covered it last time. Yeah, I think that's right. Some, yeah, unfortunately, you hope when people get a bit older, the egos can stay a bit in check. But maybe it's not always the way. They just uh, feel like, oh, you know, he created a band and he took a gamble after the Metallica and stuff. And yeah, he's great. He's doing well. Yeah, he's still going from one front man to another. Miles Kennedy, you know him as the front man from Altered Bridge. Now, he says musicians can't be heroes. He's quite saying, I don't consider musicians or songwriters heroes. That's the term for someone more special. As far as I was trying to be a positive role model or hopefully inspiring people in some way, I don't take that lightly and try to do the best I can. But he doesn't realize he is a hero. He's a hero to all those people who think of him as Dio. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, AKA, he's like promoters and producers. Yeah. Apparently, according to that, when they released the latest album, the um, promoters were thinking that this guy here rivals Dio in uh, vocal abilities. And I was like, you know, Anytime someone says that, I shall listen and I shall judge, and they shall not. You know, when God created commandments, one of the commandments is that they shall not use God's name, aka Dio, in vain. And these promoters need to stop it, using that. It was the fifth commandment. It wasn't even like one of those like ones like, oh, just acknowledge your neighbors or something. Like you guys trails yeah. off all at the end. This is like the quintessential commandment. You know, that's kind of like saying uh, the same thing as like uh, you know, Miles Kennedy sounds is like Dio. Basically, like saying that uh, gravel is the same as chocolate milkshake. Like, there is yeah. just not even a plurality. You could even compare these two together. That's true. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, we might have to th- one day come up with our own metal commandments. Like, do the 10 metal commandments. And we will we'll keep that. Shall not use God, Dio's name in vain. Because this poor lad, he's, he, he's done so much for the scene. And for people just to keep using it as a selling point, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's kind of like when the video games are saying this is the next uh, next-gen experience for video games and it never comes because they keep rushing them out because it costs more to make a video game these days and, uh, than some countries have in their uh, in their kind of the reserve bank. Is there any heroes, Daniel, that comes to mind in the metal industry that you consider? Like, is there anyone who's bigger, more, larger than life, carries the weight of the burden of the shoulders of uh, all these young people out there? No, I really don't. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with this guy. I'm like, keep in check. You, you write music. I mean, if you're doing, I don't know about these guys personally, if they're going out there doing charity work or they're helping create cancer, they're funding these things, then that's, that's cool. You can kind of be a hero. But when you, when you just write, I mean, I love them for it. Like they make the music, make it feel great, et cetera. But, you know, I agree. You're not, you're not a hero, man. You know, no. 
Well, one band that went from a hero to villain status pretty fast was Bremith Horizon. Now, they've cancelled their Australian, New Zealand and Singapore dates as the singer, unfortunately, Ollie Skies, needs to recover from a viral infection. So, by sheer, sheer luck would have it, Adelaide was, I think, one of the first ones and they actually had on their Instagram... Adelaide, we are sorry, short story novel with the, the dramatic picture taken over the top of him. Danny, do you believe that a band could still persevere and maybe get another member to kind of cover? Or is it just impossible? You just need to write it off. Yeah, before you said you said sheer like they didn't play. Oh, ouch, mate. All those 15-year-old kids out there are very upset at you right now, man. <laughs> oh, they can get to bed an early time now, like 9 o'clock, like they should be. But That's right. I was never a school mind. night. That was a school night. you got school to go to. And yeah. Anyway, uh, they could have just got him to like be in the bed, hospital bed and just mime, like they do with all those other like live music awards. What do you reckon, Matt? It's hard because I would always go to the fans and say, look, guys, our singer isn't going to be here. Do you want us to do that? I give them the option. I wouldn't hate to just think, oh, we're just going to cancel it. Because I would, as a guitarist, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of these bands who come down with their guitarists. Now, if they know the singer can't do a show, I would actually be okay with them having a, a recorded track and them just playing through the riffs, maybe to a click track. I get it. It's going to be tricky tricky you know make sure to make me happy and uh you know i'm sure those fans out there would have uh compromised to a degree hopefully yeah they could do that they could do like we're gonna do the show anyway without a singer we're just gonna have like the backing track play and if you want to come come if you don't want to come then we'll give you a refund you know could you imagine they just said like as a prize look guys our singer can't sing uh we're gonna have a contest on the afternoon we want all you guys to come to our hotel room and whoever can sing these songs flawlessly in front of us we'll just get them to do it i mean that'd be like insane what a publicity stunt yeah you might want to like not do the hotel room because if the first like 20 uh, people rock up like hot chicks <laughs> I think I think that contest kind of gets lost in the um yeah it'd probably no, be like is. like uh, an Australian Idol where like about 95% of them suck ass yeah. but they have their really terrible parents who tell them they can be anything they want to be like the worst parenting advice you can do for your yeah, kids right. like you can't reaffirm do- their terrible behaviour by saying oh no you can meet your heroes and embarrass yourself publicly in front of them like what do you think is going to happen yeah. to these kids these kids are going to stop believing in Whitney Houston because that poor lady she needs like what's I gonna, love you rest in peace what's going to happen they're going to listen to Judas Priest and they're going to make the front cover news <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> because, they're gonna, because Simon Cowell says you can't sing like Rob Halford <laughs> Speaking about really dodgy uh, people doing dodgy things, the corn guitarist head has just come out and recalled what lengths he would go to in order to fuel his drug addiction. Danny, you are not going to believe this when I tell you. Oh man, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. He's on the edge of this seat? Well, he should be, and so should you guys right now. He, he said that uh, to a recent, uh, in a recent interview, it's cool to have a laugh about it now, but meth will make you do some crazy things. What he used to do was scoop out the deodorant part in those deodorant bottles right. and replace it with meth. Oh, that's it's clever. Pus- customs, because it's white. Is that like, so you know Whatever. how, is there like the roll on roller? So yeah. you could roll it over your nose and like sniff at the same time? Yeah. Did you do that? Oh, that's actually genius, man. I mean, this is the thing I've noticed with absolutely crazy, crazy psychotics. And, you know, when you watch those crime channels and you see the great lengths that these criminals go to to not get covered, it's like, dude, if you put that to good, you could be a multi trillionaire. Yeah. But they would rather make the front page of the advertiser for murdering 17 people but hiding all the fingerprints by cutting off their fingertips or, like, you know, removing their penis or something. Like, yeah. it's just or, weird or, stuff like that. Or forming a band, a British power metal band. And recording a song so that when it's played backwards, you want to go commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> like, two just reason. <laughs> yeah, and so what ends up on the uh, last one here. And uh, Cliff Williams from ACDC, he's a bass player. He's retired at the age of, uh, I think he's in his retirement years, but he's given 39 years Jeez. to ACDC. So I guess he can now enjoy those boat cruises and uh, yelling at teenagers to get off his damn lawn, Danny. <laughs> 
Yeah, I have a feeling where he lives, like, he probably has like 20 meter high fences around his, his mansion, so he probably hasn't that, that problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this could be like pretty much, it's pretty much the end of ACDC, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, Angus is still left behind, and, and that's about it, and maybe Brian Johnson might come back, but apart from that, it's, it's a really ACDC anymore, you know? There are these recurring uh, health uh, problems that are going through as well now. It's, it's the beginning of the end, and I think it's like, like old Yella, it's time that you finally got that rest you finally deserved and uh you know enjoy some of that retirement money for a change you know i'm sure there's like lawn bowls they can buy or watch better homes and gardens on repeat you know and croquet's a bit of fun i don't mind a bit of croquet yeah exactly yeah and to see a go i guess with it but uh there you go danny all right, so we're going to talk about this week's question. Now, the question that we said to our fans on the old Facebook, our Facebook is facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro. And uh, we talked about a really interesting question that got a lot of people responding to us. And that question is, is a band changing their sound too much a good thing or a bad thing? So we've noticed, Danny, that bands from Incubus, like, you know, your rock, pop kind of inspired bands all the way to opeth death metal bands have uh, changed their sound they've evolved over the course of history and they've moved incredibly far away from when they first began it's almost unrecognizable but is this a good thing danny oh this is a interesting question again this is the what type of i guess fan and person you are because like, like saying when you first get into a band you get into a band because of the sound of course why else would you get into a band names aren't that fun so when you hear a band and their songs you get really into it you know they've released a couple of songs a couple of albums you more heavy or more fight, whatever you like, it's probably more of it. Then you're, I guess, to a point where they kind of change who they are as people because everybody matures. Like the person you are five years ago is not the person you are now, so your music reflects this. I mean, Devin Townsend's a massive example. You know, he was really angry and really into heavy stuff, and then now he's different as a person. Now his songs reflect that. That's the thing, though. What Devin Townsend had the decency to do is name those different projects, whereas bands that we're talking right now have evolved their sound so much whether it's been gradual with the slow changing over the course of the years or where someone like Incubus uh, will just drop their metal sounds or influences and go into more of a rock in alternative era. So that's what we really, really want to talk about right now. Mm. Let's talk about the fans first because they've come in in numbers. So we want to really mention and give a nod out and uh, hopefully it can help us form the, the, uh, the right way of uh, going through life as a music fan. Richard Dunn has uh, replied, said, it's never a bad thing. You can understand why fans would get angry, but the evolution of an artist group is more important, I guess. Who are we as fans to stop musicians from exploring and getting some exciting avenues? That's fair enough. And he's yeah. got on to say about like if people don't like it, well, why don't they just get on the instrument and uh, do it? But you see, that requires effort and mm. energy and the ignoring of certain special events that your loved one's going to go through, like, you know, their wedding, their divorce, and then after that, they're, they're, you know, their funeral. So yeah. that's a bit of a problem, Danny. Uh, yeah, if it happens all in the same week, it's not a big problem because, you know, if you miss... <laughs> If you if you if you miss one if you miss that one weekend oh well you just missed a weekend but yeah you're right if you, if you it takes a bit of effort to get that sure Richard's gone on to uh, have a few more followers after that so we're going to talk about those in a sec yep. we're going to talk about Luke Serda's response uh, he pre-ordered the latest Opeth album and it sounds proggy which we've sure. uh, alluded to we know, we've heard it and we're uh, we're not even too sure we're going to review it that's how proggy that album is he went back to the old stuff and he really he knows that he's having loved it. But having said that, he's enjoyed the prog stuff too. So he likes bands that take massive gambles because he can enjoy whatever it is that they're going to offer him. So again, let's uh, quite deep and think. I want to see a little bit more anger with it though, you know, more of a polarizing opinion. Mm-hmm. But let's go to Simon Hayes. Uh, now he, he is actually a drum and bass DJ. He does his own original stuff. He gets the appreciation for original material. But uh, now he doesn't see it as a problem. Like every band needs to evolve. 
So you obviously have a bit of a pattern thorming here, aren't you, Danny? Yeah, these guys are too mature, man. Yeah, so what about Patrick Mullane? What's he had to say? Let's have a look. I think it's not a bad thing if you look at the other end of the spectrum and you stick to the same sound. Every album, you become boring and lose interest. That can be true. That can be true. If, Although yeah. I'd say, I'd argue Sugar have been evolving on that one sound. Mm -hmm. So you could do that. Although Disturbed is, again, a band that we've covered. And what, what do we have to say about Disturbed, Danny? One album, which has just been like uh, volume one, two, three, and four, pretty much. Yeah, Yeah. you got Down With The Sickness, Believe, and then literally five other alternate universe versions yeah, of that like album the radio edit versions of them all and they are unapologetic with it as well but, and I mean, he makes a good point as well like if if bands uh, feel like they're forced to stay in that same genre same sound there'll be uninspiring songs and bounce like albums coming up so you're right you, you know you, it's like a win-loss thing where you're happy because your band's playing the same style but you're losing because the quality drops off because the passion's not there it's funny because if they see it as a profitable exchange, so they're recording that similar sound and they've tapped into the market, they're not going to change, mm. you know? Mm. So that could be a bit of a problem as well, I guess. Yeah, business um, decision, man. We'll move on to Kai Elliott. Now, she's quite a massive fan, not only of our show, but also Andrew Hogue and uh, with Heavy as well. Now, she doesn't believe that pigeonholed by music. It's all about the freedom of expression as well. The band evolves usually. Uh, it's a natural, normally a natural occurrence. Can be, yep. And yep. So to finish it off, we've got a couple we've got with Randall Perks. And now he's agreed with Richard as well. So as an artist to grow, you can always expect them to be the same person they were 10 years of younger and blah, 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 blah. A lot of good points he's made. But it's more important to talk about now, do we look at music, Danny, as an art form or do we just take it for what it just exists as it is so the band name is irrelevant? What is your context uh, when you listen to an album? Do you go with the name of the band or do you just forget everything and put it on and expect something to happen? Yeah, look, I, I think it's a bit of both. Like, you know, again, you, you pick the band because you like their sound, you like their style, they do. But unfortunately, some bands mature and you mature differently to them. So you grow away. But sometimes bands mature and you mature with them. Like Symphony X, I've matured with them. Then when they first yeah. started, they were very like pretty much progressive, pretty much nearly rock slash barely metal. Now they've gone to like a harder, more symphonic, again, progressive sound, but just more heavier, harder sound. I've progressed with that thing. I've been loving it more. Um, but some bands like Opeth, where you know you start the heavy and they drift away a bit more progressive, you kind of lose it. So it's different. It's like, I definitely get drawn to the name to start with. But then look, if if they grow out, you change. That that's fine. You know, if you still had their first albums you got into, so it's just make sure like if, if it is a band you like and they come down and tour, make sure you see you tour. You see them tour when they like that sound still because if you miss them yeah. when, when the sound you like then you're really going to regret it because they won't go back okay so i'm going to throw a parallel here which no one thought about let's throw a parallel to let's say films what's the best movie ever made danny best movie ever made i'm going to say terminator 2 exactly yeah. terminator 2 judgment day was the best film ever made and it's probably going to be the best film ever made and that's the way it is that's the truth of it you know just go to the internet it will tell, it will, no one will disprove it otherwise yeah, yeah. what if All right. they made the third one Instead of T the, the, the Terminator, the T-800, it was, I don't know, a transforming robot, right? Right. That uh, was the shape of a toaster, right? Okay. Now, this toaster, instead of saving John O'Connor from the villain being T-1000 in order to halt the apocalypse, it was making sure that it took John O'Connor to karate practice. And just imagine instead of T-1000, who was the ultimate villain... 
Just imagine, oh, I don't know, he was fighting against Johnny Two-Bit Biggs, who was his high school enemy who beat him at a musical guitar shred competition, and they had an ultimate showdown at the end of it by facing each other in a ring of a karate tournament. Now, I've basically described the movie to Karate Kid 2, you'd imagine, right? Since I was actually writing down the script, the thing that... Exactly, right? The selling point here, but go on. Would you be angry that they did such a disservice to Terminator 2? Yeah, no, I would. Because I feel the same way about Transformer movies. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing I say to all those fans. Okay. I'm like, take in consideration, if you look at it as a context that they are setting up a desired sound, I think anyone has every right to be angry if they change it too much. Because it's like, one thing is the innovation that they did to bring out a sound that no one's heard, an organic and an actually an incredibly honest sound, right? Mm. You know? And uh, normally what they do is that, that sound pioneers because it's never been done before, right? Mm. And I understand a lot of this, what they said is true, they need to evolve. But what's more important is that the context of where they evolve into, because people are hearing for themselves an idea, a way of connecting to a certain sound, and that certain sound of ideas generated by that band is good. Now, I think if they move too far away from that source material, then the fans have every right to be upset because it's like, one thing, it might be a little bit lazy because if they want to use all the hard work off their label and then bring a jazz album to them or a contemporary album which has three claps in it and a glass of wine being poured, of course people are upset. Mm. It's all about an artistic um, artistic context, I think. Well, that's, I mean, that's also a fair point, but same time as the, the people who release that music and release that sound, I mean... It's a little bit different with like movie franchises because different directors and writers attach themselves to a name, so it's not really the real creator. It's kind of people's artistic impression. So there's a little bit of a difference, but I see where your point's coming from. But at the same time, I think these guys who write and create the music, they feel like, well, you know, yes, those fans have supported me up to this point, but I've I've you know committed to maybe making four albums that they would really like, but. It's a time now where, okay, I need to help myself out and I, I can't continue doing that music anymore because I just, I, there's no passion and interest for Great. it anymore. Ditch your name. Honestly, if, you're, about, if you move too yeah. far away from it, because I think what, what Opeth's done right now and it's completely shocked a few of their fans because it's like, it's not paying homage to Opeth. It's like paying homage to bands that influence Opeth, you know? So it's like this bandception almost. Mm. And um, I generally find that when they move too far away from the source material that you get an album that can be a little bit, uh, you know what I mean? So it's all about making the good album. And at the end of the day, I mean, all this is, is meaningless if the album sucks, right? And generally people get sure. an idea when it does suck but I would like to say out there to the bands it's like they can't be too upset if they write an album that's so far away from mm. the context of what they were talking about it might be from it might be a heavily political band or the music might be a certain type of intensity and you can add elements to every album to make a gradual transition and, and people won't even notice it like Symphony X have done right but um, I think when you drop an album like uh, that, that isn't a metal album or that is a pop album and that with no other context but just that's what we wanted to do. I, I don't know. I think it's um, it's, a, it's a piece of artwork, but uh, to use the same name, I don't know. I, I, I still see it as a, a kind of a time as a, as a movie. So I'm like, well, you moved too far away from it and um, you didn't want to take the risk of calling it something else and giving it another context or another frame, like using it as a framing device. Oh, that's, that's, that's actually a really clever idea, even a bit of a compromise, just to have a different name. So you, right, you're, you're not selling, you're not relying on the name you created to sell a different sound. So that makes, they could do like they do in, in Superman, do like Bizarro Opeth, you know, it's just yeah. a Bizarro in the front of everything. And you know that, oh, that's kind of a different side project. Yeah, I mean, like for me, when a band kind of quotes themselves sometimes a little bit too long, they go a little bit on or they try a risk and it doesn't quite work out. I still acknowledge that they, the band did something and it didn't quite work, right? 
But when they move too far away from it, I'm like, uh, I don't think, I don't quite think it's that it's, that's not that band anymore. And it's basically like Terminator Three to Terminator Two was sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause when they when they want to do tours and play like the last five albums, what they do? It's been such a weird like tour. Like yeah. you go to the concert, you guys there who like oh like really you have so bipolarism. You have like guys who really love the old stuff and hate the new stuff, or vice versa. And yeah, it would just be a really weird gig. So. But you know, again, guys that have argued, this was definitely down to differences because we've had guys from Eye the Enemy here, and they said no, they feel as a band they can write whatever they want, and the fans are going to go along with it. Uh, as my, my band, the band that I'm in right now, I will only evolve the sound, but I would never make it not a metal album. And um, if it's not, as long as I'm the band and I set up the band that way, I wouldn't move too far away from it. I have a context for it, and I would make sure that I would make perfect it as an artist. And if I felt I had to go too far away from it, then I'd do what Devin Townsend did and call it a day. And I think that's where a pure artist comes from. Yeah, no, I, I, actually, that's a good point, man. And I, I tend to agree with that. Um that uh, point there yeah that's good man well there you go guys feel free to send you all your hate mail to dan marotti <laughs> at hotmail.com and i'm sure i'll get around into reading it but for now let's move on to the review now danny we are going back to metal which is a bit of a change after listening to progs are us the last three weeks i reckon you matt hasn't smiled this much as he saw jeff limus live so oh my god maybe I, not that much that's that's under service to jeff limus but matt's pretty happy about the fact that we're not doing just progressive rock albums or just even just rock albums I met Jeff Loomis twice in the same night the first time I was starstruck I looked at him like <laughs> I had all these awesome things I was going to say I was working on a rehearsal in my mind how we were going to connect and be best of friends and I was just like every other idiot fanboy yeah. but I said to myself the second time I'm going to meet him I'm going to be better I'm going to connect with him and then we're going to be fine and I won't be a fanboy Guess what I did? Yeah, but that, yeah, I don't think you appreciate when you went to his hotel room, though, Matt. That's the issue, you know. I know. I just can't handle doing this. I am not a good fan. So, <laughs> apologies to Jeff Loomis, but we're here to talk about Heaven Shall Burn, Danny. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit to set up as a framing device to give you guys an idea of what Heaven Shall Burn is. This is their eighth album as the Metalcore Mellow Death Unit. They're from Southfree, Germany. The name was stolen from a Marzach album, Danny, called Heaven Shall Burn, We Are The Gathered. Oh, there you go. They're not really fans of the Marks per se, but the name is cool. So why not go with it, right? Now, the lyrics often express a militant support of anti-racism, fighting social injustices and similar stances, you know? Now, all the members, funny enough, are either vegans or vegetarians and follow a very straight-edge lifestyle. Now, you wouldn't know that by listening to the album as a whole, Danny. No, you wouldn't, man. I think that's that's always a misconception about metalheads. People just assume Satan, angry, punch puppies, kittens. Church burning on the weekends, uh, virgin deflowering on the weekdays. You know, it's basically a rinse, rotate, repeat pretty yeah, much, yeah. right? We have an endless supply of goats that we kind of seem to go through. And for most of us, we do, right? Yeah. That's fine, you know. Again, you know, those those goats aren't going to kill themselves. Actually, man, long weekends coming up as well, you know. Just saying. Just saying. Lots of goats. But here we go. We're going to talk about the way we review albums. And first up, Danny on the chopping block is a riff, Danny. Riff album heavy? Well, this is a metalcore slash mellow death album, so there are riffs. There are riffs. Uh, again, I won't say money riffs. Like that, there are some parts yeah. where I definitely like get my head bobbing along and crank the music a bit louder, but there's no like real like money riffs. Like, you know, um, you know, things like Crazy Train on Joe's Like a riff where you just get stuck in your head and you just keep humming it. So yeah. a, they, they do some really heavy riffs. Like again, track six and track 11. Uh, track six, Pray to God. It's a really heavy, some nice heavy riffs in there. And even track three, uh, Passage of the Crane. They got some pretty good um, uh, chunky riffs in there. And could backed up with some good uh, drumming as well. 
Yeah, this is a strange album to review because I want to say it's kind of like paying homage to bands in their heyday like In Flames and like Killswitch, you know? It definitely doesn't have riffs per se like Mellow Death Metal at the time. All it does is set up like these chugging styles mm. or like this backing drop to push along to give you a feel the way through it until it gets to like the verse or the chorus where that melodic death kind of thing where the harmonies come out and the guitars, you know? Basically what At The Gates were doing, you know, 30 years ago and uh, what hardcore and that do to this very day, you know? Yeah, they, they use the riffs to, like, to build up, to, to create like an intensity yeah. and adrenaline rush and then they break it with like their happy chorus type like riffs and they so they use more like the pre-chorus and the verses of the heavy parts of these songs whereas the um, choruses are more some happy toned. Yeah, there are some differences with the riffs. Obviously, they bring in some acoustic sections like Pashas of the Crane and stuff like yeah. that. But then the riffs, it's really hard to say because, like, yeah, like They Shall Not Pass is more like a circle pit song, which the band's known for having those songs that just get the crowd running around, you know? Or even those really smashing fast stuff like the track two, for example, as well, which is like that bring, it's called Bring the War, uh, Bring the War Home. And it has that like kick with electronic feel to make sure that the dancingness kind of punches through the whole time, Danny. Yeah, that's true. And even like riff, uh, track four, Thou shall not pass, which is not based on Lord of the Rings. I haven't read the lyrics, but I don't think it's Lord of the Rings. But that's pretty cool. He's got some like really fast paced and uh, riffing in there to start with as well to break it up like they, they don't always have the same riffs in the same sections they do change tempos every now and then but I'm just glad they don't have like the standard hardcore breakdowns which I think can be a bit of a trope and a bit like standard they don't really use those in this album which yeah is this album with the guitars and like almost any other instrument on the album which we'll talk about later it just kind of goes along and it just hits you for the most part, with the exceptions of like track 11 and the track in between it, which is My Heart is, is a Compass. With that song, sorry, it's just designed to make sure it breaks it up from the insanity where it's just hitting you the whole time. So it's not a death metal album. Like even though the guitars are very like low and chugging the way through, the drums do enough to make sure it pushes every riff along. So it really does feel like a metalcore, heavy, mellow death kind of influence, like your early in flames. Like your, I wouldn't say... Soil work to a degree, but definitely that uh, hardcore style, metalcore style that they're definitely famous with now. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, yeah, there are some chucky sections in this album and some nice pre-chorus riffs hanging in there, but I wouldn't say money riffs aren't really there. The thing is, though, Danny, which we're going to talk about now, is the guitars. Do you feel like the songs take on a good cop, bad cop with the guitars? I'm talking in respect, not the singing. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But the songs, to a degree, can follow that good cop, bad cop. The riff at the start is going to hit you heavy. Then by the chorus, you're going to have your catchy, melodic interlude. And then by your bridge, you either it goes way heavier or it goes to a bit more cleaner, like a bit more epic with open chords or something. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's pretty much surmises a lot of these songs. You know, you have a couple of songs which vary from that, but they're like intense all the way through, like track six, I pray to God. But most of them would have that, dare I say, dichotomy where you have the heaviness broken up by the happiness. So. And unfortunately for me, um, what I would love to hear more, hopefully the next couple of albums coming after this, are songs like A River Crimson. Now, this song breaks up that formula by just giving you a straightforward, almost, I would say, pop in its style where it's just designed to have a memorably sad song start from the very start to the very end where it's big open chords and all that kind of stuff. It's weird. It's not the heaviest song off the album, not by a long shot. But for some reason, I find myself gravitating towards it because when they got such the heaviness all the whole time, when these songs come on with a bit more of a clarity and a bit more sadness coming through instead of anger I think it resonates really well and I, I would love to see them do it more they, they did it with some of the early songs on the album but maybe only once or twice that's fair to say so yeah. the riffs 
uh, yeah, look, it, this is if you're into hardcore music or metalcore or even melodic death in its more rawest form, this album is probably very strong with the guitar tones and the style of attack, yeah? Yep, no, I'll go with that. But the vocals, because this is the thing now, and I love Marcus Bischoff. If I was a girl, I would have been deflowered from him when I was in Belgium the time I saw him, because I think he is the most charismatic, enmatic, energetic man I've ever seen on the stage, yeah? Yeah, you can say that, man. That's fine, you can say that. He, he's good on stage, yes, yes. My homosexual tendencies aside, <laughs> I would have to say that this is definitely an album for him that he's just bringing what he's always brought. And it is amazing, don't get me wrong, but it is really just one awesome note. It seems that way. Uh, yeah, not being like the massive Hebshire burn fan, not like too much of the back catalogue, uh, just going purely on this album alone. He has that screen which pretty much is there 95% of the album. It seems to have that same note and the same tone. I'm going to bring it to a food analogy because we all love eating, right? Now, who here loves twos? Yeah, man, I love twos, man. Yeah, they're the best. Here's the thing about twos. When I give it to people to try, one or two things are going to happen. Are they going to just eat one and they're going to take the bag away from me and finish it? Or they're going to politely ask me and anyone I'm associated with to do a long walk right through oncoming traffic because it's just so horrible and overpowering taste that it's just unbelievably annoying, right? Is that is that kind sure. of the... And also that tube's like killed one of their relatives, they choked on it. So every time you mention tubes, they wanted you to like run through traffic. It's as horrifying as it's yeah. delicious. But what's more important is that that's the thing with his voice. You hear it for one myota of a fraction of a second and you're going to decide in that very instant whether you love the style or not. Yeah, I, yeah pretty much it. Cause, and if you don't like it, well, you got... 50 minutes of it. So yeah. You, you might want to <laughs> like it. I'd say get a chair and get comfy because that thing isn't going anywhere. I mean, to, to summarize, his voice is less like a vocalist and more like what happens when you get the Banshees from Lord of the Rings and you stick into the gun from Terminator 2. Like, literally, it's just turning and brutalizing anything that stands in front of it. And if you dare to get in its way, it's just going to chew you up. But I love it. Yeah, obviously it sounds you put a lot of thought into describing it. I, I think it's very good scream, I won't deny that. You can tell he gets the passion across and when he like really all, all their songs I believe have a meaning to him, so he uses that to like get his intensity across. That's true. Yeah, if there's an elitist douchebag that's sitting across me though and says, Yeah, but that's all he does and I don't like him for it, I would have to concede defeat because he only once varies out of it, maybe twice will give him the benefit of the doubt. Now with track six, the heaviest track off the album, he does actually do this death growl, which is yeah. very cool. Again, yeah. he gives so much energy and so much dedication to it that it never seems contrived, like, oh, I have to do the death metal scream now. I really don't. I really want to do the screamer. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he does it. And everything he does is just, oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love it. But unfortunately, if anyone hears it and doesn't like that style of singing, I can concede that you, this is not going to do it for you. Yeah, true. I mean, you're right. Apart from the scream he does, he does that one song he growls. He does, he does it quite well as well. So it, it's a shame he doesn't want to use it parts of the album. I guess, look, to be fair, the album's not really that heavy where you feel like you can get very brutal with the growls. So there is a limited amount of places where he can use that. Yeah. Which again means they, they could change the song to add that bit of dynamic to him. Uh, apart from that, the only other song is like the last track, track 12, Cry of Mankind. He does a bit of a melodic singing, but that album, that, that song, just like, don't worry about that song. So yeah, we, we unfortunately, that song is the equivalent of having a relative in your house and you kindly ask them to leave and the song's six minutes and it really should have finished five minutes and 55 seconds ago, Danny. Oh, it's, yeah, it's just, the first two and a half minutes is just like a slow build up and the middle two and a half minutes is just like a slow like song and the last two and a half minutes is just like another 
Yeah, it's a, it's kind of like a that. wave goodbye. Just imagine someone leaving your front porch, waving you goodbye in slow motion, and you just keep looking at your watch. Like, yeah, it's been three minutes, yeah. three minutes and ten seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like the ending to like the last Lord of the Rings movie. It's just like just finish, just you, finish. You, you bet the bad guy, you destroyed the ring. Just finish the movie. I yeah. need to take a piss. They have to like do all like the closing, like, and now Frodo went home and sat in front of his TV with Jeffro, and now he's playing video games as well, and he's like in like whatever, like it's just keeps going we don't need to know if they're going to the toilet afterwards or if they're having a ham sandwich talking about Fredo and Rodo they, they never found Waldo the whole movie they never found Waldo oh, so wasn't that the point of the wor- movies worst I don't movie know, nine world. hours anyway but go back to singing again screaming growling and to be fair they've covered the tracks that break up with some talking like one part that's like a last which speaks another part like in the first track where the guy speaks and they try to again use that as a, like a frame device to break up from their intensity to set up into like kicking it back hard again so yeah they, they do do a bit but yeah that's about already scream was just screaming yeah so we're gonna have to move on to diversity because really that's what this album i can't say does but it's in the subtleties where we're more focusing on because for every song that hits you at a mile like what's that a mile a minute it just hits you like it just punches you steadily like being in the ufc fight with brock lesnar at 160 beats a minute it's just gonna hit you at a steady pace but you're gonna feel every punch danny again diversity that we've already talked about the singing is lack of apart from one or two like variations the riffs they do have a similar pattern with the diversity they, they really like to build up before chorus and then make the choruses happy it's like you know they, they build it up, happy chorus, build up, happy chorus, and then right then they break into like a bridge or break into like a heavier kind of crunching section. So a lot of the songs have that formula, but there are some songs which change up. Like again, track twelve and track one, which aren't I, great. I would love to change s- them. Yeah, I would love to see that uh, dichotomy spread a lot uh, wider. So I love when they do do songs that are literally unapologetically catchy and just go for it and just create a sadness with that really dark tone that they could set up with the guitars and the drums and then when they did track 6 that's a death metal song it's the only mm. song off the album that I consider a death metal song and for that I'm thankful for it because I love to see how much they, of a playground they can play with and they can really set up a concept album with these ideas you know and have this big orchestrated uh, awesomeness happen together but then there's stuff like, for example, They Shall Not Pass. And this song almost sounds like it starts twice. It starts at the beginning of the song, and then it starts again at a minute 21. And this is a, a strength and a weakness that everyone who's listened to Heaven Shall Ben will find. They just smash riffs together sometimes to a point that, because it's so chaotic and angry, it's either going to be really awesome because of unpredictability style, or you're going to be like, well, it doesn't, this doesn't flow. The songs don't design to tell a story in the sense that it, it pulls you emotionally across. It just wants to get you to get it out. And that, I guess, is fine. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, again, like, yeah, I said that before, they, they, they do use the drum changes and the guitar changes, like tones and adding double, kick, double kicks, removing double kicks, um, going like really fast. Uh, guitar strumming to slow guitar strumming. They, they try to break up the songs in one or two songs. You feel like it's almost a progressive part nature to their songs because they start with the slow intro, build heavy, break down chorus, slow chorus heavy, then they use a bridge, then they kind of fade out ending. So they kind of, some songs have a progressive feel to them to help, you know, again, make the tracks a bit individual. But sometimes they have like that similar hardcore or metalcore like strum pattern with their guitars. They're like, oh, this again, like, jin, jin, whatever it is it's just like a bit repaired at times so with diversity you as a heaven shall burn fan if you've been following them since their inception there's no rule left or right hooks as an album per se apart from one or two moments it's really 
more of what you had before, but everything has a lot more of a focused... Uh, it's like sharpening of a blade. So they've started off with a dull broadsword, and for this album, they've worked their way to a samurai sword. Though, even though it's not unfamiliar in the sense of what to expect... It's still really enjoyable. I've listened to this album now at least three times, and I really get that what they're doing is really energetic, and it just pulls you along with it, even though some of it can be familiar. You know, even when those drums drop out, you know it's either going to be twice as fast or it's going to be more breakdowny. But even in saying that, I still enjoyed it. So diversity, it's in the details. You know, they've got a pattern of the mellow death and the hardcore formula, and if that strikes your interest, you've probably already bought the album. But let's move on to Groove. Danny, does this album make you want to dance, though? Does this album pull you with it, or does this album get a little bit boring after a while? Probably a little bit of everything, to be fair. Uh, there's only so many sections of songs. I won't even say songs. There's probably parts of songs which are groovy. Yeah. Uh, again, it's choruses, of course, choruses are. They, they they have that happy tone to them, or that, the happy sad feel to them, which kind of has a nice um, groove to it. But there are some songs where, like, going to track eight, now they actually um they actually use the pre-chorus to build up the chorus. The chorus is heavier, and so that's surprising. That's actually yeah. a bit of groovy, and you actually get into that song quite well. So that that was a nice change. And again, like I think track two and four, they have again those groovy choruses which help you um yeah where you you really want to bob your head along to those yeah with groove i can definitely see how this band's going to transition well live these songs are going to go so well because this album makes you either want to dance along with it or it's going to make you want to like just go 70 in a 55k zone in a school area it's just gonna just pull you to do something that uh that you normally wouldn't and to this album's credit i've I have started my day with this album and I do feel pretty good during the day just thinking about it because it just like gets you going, gives you that third gear, like a shot of caffeine through the eyeball, really. Yeah, no, it's and like it's not just the groove. They actually have a bit of feel to this. Like you can tell the intensity coming across with the singing. The fact they try to use the songs to have a bit of roller coaster feel with the like tempo changes and the different drumming and breakdown of the bridges, which are a bit acoustic sounding. They they want to give you that feel. Where they want to create a bit of maybe not really an ambience, but just um get you in the mood for their songs. So there is there is feel to their stuff, which substitute the groove. Yeah, they're all about getting though to that place of anger and just complete, just pulling you through it and really. The out al- the only thing that isn't groovy about this album is the cover artwork. And uh, Danny, I don't know what they did. They must have gone to a gift shop and asked for the most David Aronborough inspired calendar and be like, "Yeah, I'll have ten copies of that, please." Like, "Oh, what do you need it for your gr- your grandma?" No, I need it for my cover up for a death metal album. Like, I just don't understand. You need to look at how bad these. I mean, they're well taken photos, but really? Yeah, maybe it's like you know when you have those weather channels. If I don't like to fill the time because saying the weather. 24 hours a day will do your head in. They try to break out and make those competitions like, oh, who takes like the greatest photo of blah, blah, we'll put it into a, like a calendar. And they did the same competition. It's like, yeah, hey, someone go around the world, whoever has the best scenery photos, chick it us, we'll put it into an yeah, album. Yeah, I normally love to buy those CDs because I love to see the artwork to get me in the mood for it. But this couldn't get you least in the mood for it unless it was on fire. And then at least that way it would give, give you an actual genuine like, oh my God, this is intense as what the album would sound like. It's just... Oh, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, I know they must love Mother Nature and something, but if you want, just get a room. Like, honestly, <laughs> you know, take take the River Nile with you and uh, polish it off and then, um, you know, come back and uh, give us a, more of a context, I guess. But, oh, well, that's... So, they're saying that we're talking about production now, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. And to finish it off, Danny, I love the album's production because I cannot handle that crisp, clean, polished to a you know sheen style that this album doesn't deserve. And they didn't do it, and I loved them for it too. Because you wanted the whole raw, gritty feel they try. Like, it's like a somber feel to sound, I guess, so things can't be too 
clean, I guess, precise. Yeah, because when it sounds clean, there's no emotion to it. Obviously, everything, the playing sounds better and there's more polished things so you can hear things better, but that's not important. The more important thing is to get across how angry they were when they wrote this album. And I'm talking like they must have gone up to their missus and said like, you know, sleep with that guy so I have a reason to get angry at you so then I can write this death metal album. <laughs> like they, This is intentionally frustrating, this album. I'm, I'm just ashamed they didn't say sleep with that guy and point it to me, man. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll take the free hit. I'm glad I'm glad he didn't come up to me the singer come up to me and say because I'd have been like I'm so screwed I'll have to my girlfriend would write a death metal album after seeing what happened yeah but with them production they, they, they use other things so they, they use the synth in like the first two tracks you can actually predominantly hear the synthesizer being played to give a different again feel to the sound they use like a bit of white noise in the intros a bit of electronic feel in some of those intros there to, again to just to change it up a bit to make you know again set tones etc so they're not afraid to use a bit of the uh, sound effects to um, help out their songwriting process I think we need to wrap this bad boy up and to summarize for to me this is my favorite Heaven Shadow Burn album to date for the simple fact that they've taken what they've done previously and just made it to 11, which is won't come as any surprise as any Heaven Shall Burn fan, but at least these riffs are much more engaging than some of their more albums. And even though it has an air of predictability, especially if you've been following the band for a long time, the emotion and the drive these guys have to give you a song that makes you want to move should be enough to uh, as a recommendation for metalcore fans and for mellow death fans only if they like it a little bit heavier if they're after that you know cross faith album where they can sing along to it with really bad japanese english then this might not be it yeah look i found this album it depends on the mood i'm in at the time like if i'm feeling like really like with it and stuff then i can get into some of these tracks if i'm like a bit half in in it i'll, I'll just switch off after a while because then it is a bit same same i think there's there are some good songs off the album definitely but there are some songs where not much at all the album has the same traps as every other album has before it it's going to get you listening to it to halfway you'll love it but but then you'll just start turning off mm. uh, or you're a fan of that and you listen to it the whole time the vocals again it's the same as the other albums it's just better now because it's been dialed up to 11 more intensity but if you don't like that style again it's the same I have to review this as every other album I review from them but at least they've done right into in the, by the songs at least and if they help you out like they got tracks 1 to 6 and then they have that 1 minute song which is like a nothing that can be intermission and then you come back and hear the other 5 songs so you can do that if you want they can, they've helped you out there yeah so there you go guys that's been our review of the latest Heaven Shall Burn album and uh, you know it definitely comes with a high recommendation but uh, it does come with a disclaimer as well yeah I'm the disclaimer master high recommendation so <laughs> yeah <laughs> depends who you want to listen to but that's, that's fine like if, if you like this style you like the album but I just not the biggest fan and with that we've come to the end of the show Danny it's been another interesting show a lot of controversy I'm absolutely loving these fan questions man we are going to be doing a lot more of this in the future yeah that's no, great we even have uh, coming up we have a fan request for albums as well so if you if you guys have any album you want us to review like one from this year preferably one's coming up if there's a, some sort of controversial question or question you want us to like discuss on a thing or even get your friends to listen in us they might have uh, yeah, they might have yeah. Something we're taking all. all the requests on board and we are going to be taking one special request for the latest Legion album now that's been on order so when that comes in we'll be review it but for next week we are going to be covering Payne's Coming Home album so if you're interested to hear how Hypocrisy now posts Pete Tangren's latest expose goes you might want to check in with us then yeah if not, have a good week guys nah if not just come back and listen to us anyway ah, <laughs> until then yeah. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt and I'm Super Metal Brother Dan we've been the Super Metal Brothers thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week